Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Heartbeat Show podcast. My name is Tim Hart. I'm the branch manager here at Van Dyke Mortgage here in Fort Myers, Florida. So appreciate you being with me today. Uh, today we got a, a good friend of mine. Her name is Danielle Seitz. She is a family law attorney and also in my B&I group. And we have uh, known each other for several years. Um, does a great job. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get her on and talk about um, people going through a divorce and uh, maybe thinking about it out there. Before you even listen to this, guys, if you're going, thinking about going through a divorce, I would ask you to um, get counseling, uh, try to work it out. I mean, you know, it's, I, I hope, you know, no one wants to go through that divorce, but it still happens. And so I wanted to put out this video to maybe help people out that are going to go through it or maybe have already went through it and they, have a house involved. So this episode is going to be about uh, buying a house while going through a divorce. Should you? Shouldn't you? How do you do it? And then also post-divorce, what do you do with the house then at that time? So hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to uh, the podcast app that you're listening to. Helps me out a lot. So guys, here's myself and Danielle Sites. Welcome to the Heartbeat Show podcast with Tim Hart talking mortgage, real estate, and whatever else is happening in our Southwest Florida community and around the world. Enjoy the show. All right, hey guys, my name's Tim Hart with Van Dyke Mortgage here in Fort Myers, Florida. We've got one of my friends and professional colleagues, Danielle Seitz. Danielle Seitz, how are you doing today? Good, thanks for having me, Tim. No, I'm Danielle Seitz. I work at Aloya Roland Lubell and Morgan. I practice family law here in Southwest Florida. Right. Family law. So Danielle and I are in a professional networking group as well. Shout out Edison Professionals. How you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Danielle, the reason why I thought it would be great to have you on is for one, you're professional. You do an awesome job. Highly recommended by anyone that's ever used you. And in my business, in the mortgage business, I get every probably couple months, someone is going through a divorce and they either want to refinance to get you know one of the parties off, which is pretty cut and dry for me. Where things get complicated for me is we're getting a divorce. And in the case when we're talking, is it okay to say, uh, I'll say my buyer is the female. Okay. So I don't get confused trying to be politically correct about it. So it'll be the female. So I'm gonna say her um, or she, that she is getting a divorce. She wants to buy another home, but she wants to buy it before the divorce is final. So that's something that I see a lot in my business. So I want to touch on uh, a house and then the divorce proceedings and how they should proceed. So if you don't mind, can you tell everyone like how long you've been doing this as well? Sure. Um, so I am born and raised here in Fort Myers, and I went to law school at Loyola University in Chicago. And then after I graduated, I came down here, and I've been practicing family law for about six and a half years now. Um, and this is like exclusively what I uh, practice in. Um, so I see issues like this. I mean, people's homes are like their main uh, asset that you're really dealing with unless you have someone who owns a business or something like that mm -hmm. but and it's also where they're obviously residing so when you're going to be getting a divorce you're going to be usually separating physically separating um, and ha one of you is going to be needing or both of you need to get an 
another place to live. So this comes up pretty frequently, almost every divorce or um, sometimes in paternity cases as well. Gotcha. Um, so it can be a little bit dicey when you're trying to decide, talk about trying to get a place or purchase a place while the divorce is still pending. Most judges in our area enter in what's called an automatic um, standing order of injunction trying to protect people from dissipating or wasting or spending money or dissipating assets, um, disposing of assets like selling your home or purchasing a home um, without a court order or an agreement. And that's really to protect whatever the assets were as of the date of the filing of the petition because you're going to be needing to assess how to divide everything. And that's, right. and, and that's really whether it's marital or if it's non-marital. So something you may have had, they may have had prior to coming into the marriage that maybe they didn't commingle or mix um, any marital funds with. Um, so generally that standing order would, put, would order people not to go and purchase a new home or sell their existing home without an agreement. Now, are there cases where people go and do that? Obviously, um, I try and advise my clients that it might be a good idea to rent for some period of time if they're not gonna be remaining in the marital home because there are so many unknowns. You don't necessarily know what your child support obligation might be or how much you may be receiving in child support or in alimony or what possible debts you may be responsible for. I mean, you can touch on more about having to be able to qualify for a loan and you know taking into consideration what your income to debt ratio is it's going to be difficult to do that when you mm -hmm. don't have a final judgment saying this is how much she or he is going to receive in alimony or child support because certainly if you're um, not receiving any of that while it's pending you may qualify for some you're not going to qualify as much or for as much as you would possibly when it's all over mm -hmm. um, right. So those are all things that, to think about. That's not to say that people don't go and purchase them. If you are going to do that, usually you try to pull from a non-marital source. So say you had a retirement account prior to the marriage that never was added to during the marriage and you wanted to use that money, or you had some other real estate um, that you were selling and then going to purchase another home and it was entirely non-marital, you could try to use that money. It's a little bit cleaner to do that, but you do still run the risk of potentially down the line when it eventually gets resolved that your, your spouse does have a claim to equity in that, in that home because it wasn't equitable distribution, which is the, the division of assets and liabilities, wasn't resolved at the time that you were going to purchase this property. So mm -hmm. you, you do know that you're... Um, you know, taking a little bit of a risk. Also, when you're not married, when you're still married, um, your spouse, your soon-to-be-divorced spouse, has to sign off on a mortgage. They don't have to be on a note with you, so they're not going to be financially responsible for it. But they do have to sign off on it. And a lot of people who are getting divorced aren't really seeing eye to eye. So trying to convince them to even come to the table to sign something or do a favor for the other person is sometimes a struggle on its own. Well, and, the other, and to add to that, what we see in our business when, when these type of transactions happen, you know, we can, 
tell them, hey, you, you know, your spouse has to sign X, Y, and Z forms at the closing. Are they okay with that? And the spouse gets you okay. But, you know, a mortgage could be 30 to 45 days long, the process of it. And the longer it goes sometimes, the more they hate each other. <laughs> so, like, at the end, you have that big blow up again. And it's, it can be a crazy situation. I, but we've done something that went smooth, no problem. And I've had others that, like, at the closing table, you know, there's blow ups. And sometimes people get worried. They often ask me, like, they're concerned about abandoning the marital home if they're going to be leaving. Like, there's no such thing as abandonment in terms of, like, concerns about you losing an interest in the prop in your marital home if you were to move. The like, court, if you moved out, like, a month before you divorce, like, you don't get a claim. Right, or, like, while it's pending, if you got, like, because you get, like, this Mexican standoff in the home. No one wants to leave, but it's, like, a volatile situation for each of the spouses as well as for their children. Um, you know, it's just not an advisable situation. I say, like, if you can get out of the home and you can afford to, have another residence somewhere where you, a lot of people have family that they go to live with temporarily or friends or some temporary living situation until they can resolve their divorce. Now, some, ideally the courts try to resolve divorces within a six to 12 month time frame, but there are divorces that are a little bit more complex or have a lot of different issues and they do extend beyond that. Um, I do actually have a particular case they've been pending for quite a while and um, the wife she did go and purchase a home while we've been doing this I know that that was something that we all had reached an agreement or the parties had reached an agreement on it so that's one way of getting around it having a discussion yeah, so, but okay so I want to touch on that for a second if you don't mind yeah so um, a husband and wife get a divorce they both agree hey this isn't working here we're not getting divorced until whenever. So I, you know, allow you to go buy another house. Right. And you can acknowledge, like have a written stipulation. I would agree. I would have um, them do that where it's like very specific on where they're pulling money from, that the other spouse is in agreement with that, understands with that, and that they will cooperate um, with executing any documents in order to effectuate that mortgage. Um, because so otherwise they agree, they agree to sign those documents up front that way 30 45 days later you don't have a blow-up because at least then if you're on the same page at the time of the file, signing the stipulation and then something happens down the line like they can't all of a sudden come back and say that they don't want to because you'll be able to file a motion for contempt and enforcement to require that spouse to do what they had agreed to do gotcha so, because you'll sign a stipulation, you'll file that, and then you'll get an order from the court adopting their agreement to allow them to go and do that. I mean, I don't know. I would, I, I don't know from your end what kind of, if, if you guys are paying attention to how the money is coming through or where it's going or how, if you're just wanting them to be able to say, okay, you're transferring this to, this money you have, you're transferring it, and your spouse needs to sign off, I would imagine is pretty or are you looking to see what divorce agreements you have or what anything like that? I'm not sure what the process is on your end. Yeah, it just all depends on where they're at in the process, what they're trying to do. It literally is every loan's different. But for down payment, any money you put down in lending, I wish it was just that easy to where we're like, hey, here's their money. Ha ha. Like, it's not. Like, we've got a paper trail that it's 
you know, it's a task. And that's the other thing we've dealt with before is also they're going through a divorce and they're getting this down payment. Man, we need documents from both of them because funds are commingled or, you know, uh, hey, where's his W-2 to make sure, you know, this income works over here. That's all, you know, and so it's, it can become a task uh, to get the other party to cooperate and so do you collecting, so say you're trying to, to, you're working with the wife or the soon-to-be ex-wife, Is are you collecting financial documents for her soon-to-be ex-husband because he's signing on the mortgage, but he's not going to no. be on the note? Or? By the way, this is me interviewing you, so <laughs> don't think you're flip this back on me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, for us, like with... But in that situation, it would be, hey, we're getting a divorce. They may still have a joint account, like a joint checking account. Right. And, and so we, we've got to get a letter from the other, the other spouse saying, hey, yeah, they, she has access to this money. Um, you know, sometimes with tax returns, you could have something goofy in there with a joint business or, you know, like stuff like that. But no, we don't require the spouse to sign any upfront documents. Though. Because that, I mean, just it's like pulling teeth sometimes to try and get documents. Right. But now, if, if for anyone watching this, one thing is it happens when people call me in these situations, I advise them right away, you know, do you have an attorney? Go talk to your divorce attorney about this. Don't, you know, I'll tell you what we got to do, but you go get your legal help. Don't rely on me. That's one thing I say. I, I don't ever get in the middle of that. Um, but secondly, can you explain to the listeners out there treating it as a uh, second home or not, I should say a non homestead of property, um, which is a different loan type for us, but it's also a different type of transaction for the state as well, correct? With the documents that the spouse would have to sign? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I'm not doing too much in terms of real estate law, so I'm not sure and how, and, and generally, if the people who are getting divorced have more than one home, it's a lot easier for them to split up and say, okay, husband is going to keep this house and the wife is going to take this residence. And then they're a lot of times they may be using that as an income producing property and they'll wait for the term to end and they'll kick out their or they'll kick out their uh, tenants so that they can go and move into there. And then we'll just divide up in the equal distribution, how that works out. So I can't comment too much on the homestead exemption part of that. Um, but generally if they're going to be getting the second property, then eventually that would become their homestead. I would imagine if they're going to be owning that and the spouse is going to be owning their, the first property, I guess. Okay. I got you. So do you have anything you want to add to what we just talked about with buying a home as going through a divorce? Cause I want to touch on another topic as well. Um, just generally, I mean, people who are going through a divorce, it's, it's, I see a lot of good people at their worst times. I mean, it's a really emotional time, emotional time. And you don't want to necessarily be making big financial decisions when under an emotional state. So I would be caution against uh, making a big jump to purchase a home uh, while you're going through a divorce, trying to find something temporary if you can, because uh, again, being able to assess whatever your finances are at the time of your divorce or where you want to be at the time of your at the end of your divorce may differ than whatever it is during your your divorce. I got you. Yeah, I, that's really good advice. Um, that I, I would imagine if we could do videos on uh, some of the worst situations you've seen, they'd be fairly entertaining 
uh, videos. Probably sad too. I shouldn't say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's never a dull moment, and I, I have clients all the time kind of apologizing or thinking that I must think so negatively about them because right. they're going through all this stress, and I'm just keep reminding them that I see this on a daily basis. It's okay. It's normal what you're going through, and I mean probably the majority of my clients are seeing some sort of mental health professional to help them or counselor or whatever to help them through it. Because I mean, I watch people drop 50 pounds in two months, just in the time, maybe from my initial meeting with them. And I see them, you know, later to sign some initial, some other documents and they're unrecognizable. Oh Yeah. Well, that's, I can imagine that. I had a weird pop-up coming up there. Um, so let's get into people that are trying to, um, uh, you have, they own a home together. Um, the wife's staying in the house and the husband has to get out. Sure. So if she wants to, whether, uh, so if, if they've already reached an agreement about who's going to move out and who's going to stay in the home temporarily or permanently, okay. Um, we would do a stipulation again, just like going to purchase another property to state that the wife would be having exclusive use and possession of the home during the pendency of the litigation. So um, that would mean that the husband would not be able to just come in and walk in the front door uh, anytime he felt like it. So she has some semblance of privacy, even though they are jointly joint ownership of the property. Now, without having an order of ex exclusive use and possession, it will become very difficult to limit the other owner access to the home. Um, and the other thing that we usually look to include in there is how are the household expenses, like your electricity, your mortgage, your taxes, all of that going to be paid while there's only one of you living there, but there is a joint obligation on these debts. And, you know, one, sometimes you see where one party um, is not working and the other party is working and, you know, carrying on one household bills. It's a lot easier to do than one person's income carrying on two households. So while it may, you guys may have had an agreement to, okay, the husband is going to move out, but there wasn't really a consideration on how these bills are going to be paid. Um, that's something that we would want to consider at the time that they're agreeing to have exclusive use and possession because um, sometimes if they are both working, maybe the, the husband or wife who's staying in the home can't afford to pay all of those ongoing living expenses. So then you bring in the issue of some temporary support like alimony or possibly um, child support if they're dealing with the t children and time sharing that the spouse who's living in the home may receive um, in order to help with these expenses because I don't want um, them to just get overwhelmed and, and feel like, okay, I just need to stay in the home. People get very attached to their homes. That, that's like the one constant sometimes that they still have. And um, usually down the line, it takes sometimes a couple of months for them to realize that they're not going to be able to possibly afford to remain in the home that, you know, it's 3,000, 4,000 square feet and there's only going to be one of them still, you know, two of them possibly living in that home. So they'll start to consider downsizing and probably coming to you looking to qualify for um, a mortgage. I like the way you think with that line there. Good job. 
right? Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> both to me. Um, and then right. sometimes, so like if you're jointly on it and you want, we're negotiating at the end of a, you know, a settlement agreement or something, or possibly at a, a trial and one of the spouses wants to own the property and, and assume the debt on it and say it's jointly titled, the mortgage is jointly titled, um, the, the party who's remaining in the home is going to want to refinance or actually the party who's not going to be living in the home is going to want the party living in the home to refinance, to get, um, the other spouse's name off of the note. Yeah. Um, the husband who's moving out of the home is going to potentially want to purchase another property and he's going to have a hard time doing that if he is on the note for the prior marital mm -hmm. home. Um, so when we're thinking about that and we're going into mediation and we're considering this refi situation, we tell, I mean, I tell my client, if my client's the one who's going to be considering refining, I send them to you and say, you know, go see what you can qualify for because we need to have that information before you're signing on the dotted line that you're going to have this obligation within a year or two years or whatever the period is that we agree to that you're going to refinance. Right. And so like, for instance, the other thing with divorce is a lot of times like people will come to me and this is, you know, post divorce, so this is a year later or something and they're trying to buy and, you know, I do the credit check and, oh, that's my ex's account here. Well, that's still his here. He didn't pay this here. I'm like, man, they like, is there anything you can do for credit cards? Car, this is off topic of houses, but it fits credit cards, car loans, all that consumer debt that they did jointly. Like, do you guys put it into writing? They have to get off of that too. So like auto, auto loans, we do a lot where you have to refi to get the person off before you're like, I never advise my clients to quit claim deed a home until they're off of that property. So usually off that mortgage. So right. usually what we say is at the time of the refinance, they'll cooperate with signing off and they'll, um, and then they'll quick claim deed it. But with automobiles, we try and do the same thing or they're going to have to be selling or selling the home or selling their vehicle and getting a new one, um, with other debts. So say a husband and wife, they have, um, a jointly, uh, titled credit card, or they only have, say the husband's going to be assuming responsibility of the wife's credit cards. We put in an agree in the agreement that the husband shall be responsible and in indemnify legal terms, indemnify and hold the other party, um, harmless. And that will protect them in the instance to where, uh, say the husband fails to pay on that credit card and the credit card company comes after the wife for that she can sue her ex-husband to enforce the, uh, the contract. And we put in provisions in that to where if she is having to do that for whatever reason to enforce it because of his failure to be responsible for that and to pay those, um, that he would have to be responsible for her attorney's fees for having to enforce it because that is, you know, it, because sometimes people are like, well, I'll take, I'll, I'll agree to take on all the responsible, you know, debts in her name, but I'm not going to pay them. And I'm just going to let, you know, right. elections come after her. So then I would, I would imagine that the clients after they're divorced would come to you and have to show you their divorce agreement and show what their husband was supposed to be responsible for, what they were supposed to be responsible for if those debts are still in existence at the time that they're applying. 
Yeah, well, but also what happens though, even if they can qualify, you know, and they can afford all those debts anyways, if that person has a horrible payment history, the damage to the credit's done. And so then, then you have that whole time frame of now I gotta contact all three credit bureaus, let me get all my paperwork to them, I get these lates removed. I mean, that's not a bang bang process. Like once the damage is done, it takes you know a few months at least to recover normally. That's huge when you're thinking about if you're wanting to stay in the home and the other um, spouse leaves and then you have all these debts that you're not paying while the other person has left and maybe they were usually the one taking care of that. So you're going to want to make sure that that's taken care of. Or I see a lot of times say the husband moves out and he's like, she can be responsible for paying those. They're in my name, but she can be responsible. She's there. Uh-uh, you want to protect your credit too. And make sure that that's taken care of, whether you're paying it or she's paying it. So we try to get an agreement on that. And on these cases, you know, initially people are usually really at odds. And as time passes, things start to cool down and they start to understand a little bit more about what the process is. I usually have to repeat myself a couple of times because when they, the first couple of times that they're meeting with me, they're not really hearing me. Mm -hmm. So I try to follow up and send them emails kind of circling back to what we had discussed on a phone call or in a meeting so that they can and myself can go back and reference that information that we talked about. Yeah, that's what emails are great for is it's the convenience is one thing, but searchable paper trail you know, makes it a lot easier. Um, so Danielle, do you have anything else you want to add? to anything we just talked about because that was a lot of information. I think it was a lot of great information. I think you killed it. I think if anyone is um, going through a divorce or thinking about it, hopefully not to step on your business, but hopefully they work it out, you know? And like, I know that's a big part of your business as well is. Well, we're never wanting to break up people's relationships. Right. It, the truth of the matter is, is just, there are always, I think, people are going to be coming in to have to get divorces because people are getting married. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're, <laughs> you're always going to have your... I mean, you know, people business. are always are going to argue about something. And, you know, sometimes it's that a spouse cheated. Sometimes they're fighting over, you know, not being able to communicate. Sometimes it's just they're having a midlife crisis or, you know... It just, it just depends on whatever their particular situation is. Another question that we weren't planning on, just a quick answer here. What is the number one reason for divorce? I think... Um, In your opinion for you, for you. I think it's people's lack of ability to communicate. Okay. Um, what I tell people who are coming in, maybe thinking about doing, or even my friends who are getting engaged, who are thinking about getting a prenup or not, I just tell them you have to have a full and frank disclosure and discussion about what your finances and, and what your goals are and what your interests are, you know, what you see yourself and your family at the beginning before you're even getting married. Because the second that, you know, your fiance, your spouse is not willing to have that open conversation or share with you, you're already setting yourself up for failure. And you're not going to trust each other if you're not having that, because I really see, you know, it's a team effort. You once, you know, once you're married, I, I it's really supposed to be together. And if you have one person kind of streaming off one way and one the other, it's just not going to work out. Hmm. So your your piece of advice to that is 
before you get married, communicate. Lay it all on the table. Yeah, for sure. And then you're setting up, you know, kind of a pattern for what you're going to do, or you can discuss what you're going to do when you guys are having disagreements Mm -hmm. and how you're going to handle that because different people handle things differently. Like some people, like myself, want to address a disagreement at that moment and other people, you know, they need their time, they need their space to go and, you know, reflect and, and, you know, if I, if my husband, David, you know, if, if David was someone who just didn't want to discuss it at that moment and I was just like chasing him around the house, forcing him to, <laughs> forcing him to discuss it, that wouldn't really go over very well. Yeah. We'll have to have David on a, a video sometime. We'll talk about that more. Okay. We'll, we'll get yeah, his opinion. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's really uh, easy going though. Oh, I know. He's so laid back. So shout out to David. Um, <laughs> all right. So Danielle, you absolutely killed it. Um, I really appreciate you being on here with us. I hope uh, people listen and find value in this. You're right uh, in Fort Myers here. So do you mind? Um, I'll put your contact info in the comments of the video as well, but if you don't mind, uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to do you do consultations or what would be your? I do. I do uh, reduced fee consultations. So $150 an hour and you, I only charge for the amount of time that we take. Um, if you want to get, if anyone has any questions and they, or they want to schedule a consultation, they can call my office, ask to speak with Dory or uh, my other legal assistant. Her name is Elfie and you can provide them with kind of some background information. They can get you on my calendar. Um, our telephone number here is 791-7950. Um, and Tim, you'll probably post my email address. People are welcome to reach out to me as well. If they want to contact me via email, that works too. And we're located right downtown um, between the ice cream shop and Blue Sushi. I always tell people on First Street. Yeah, it's a nice office too. So, well, Danielle, thanks again. So, guys, I appreciate you listening out there. Um, my name is Tim Hart, Van Dyke Mortgage, right here in Fort Myers. Uh, do me a huge favor. Uh, if you don't mind, like, share, and subscribe to this video. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. If you're on Facebook, like our page. I'd appreciate it. And share this with someone that maybe is going through some problems or they're looking to get married. Um, you know, this maybe hopefully help them out and they have a successful marriage, marriage or um, if there is such thing as a successful divorce or a clean, uh, what do you call it now, Danielle? What, what, what Uncontested, would it I would say. Uncontested where they can reach an agreement. Okay. Uncontested. Thanks, Tim, for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Danielle. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. That was a lot of information for you. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, you know, like I said, if you're going through a divorce, hope you get help. Maybe you can save it. Uh, if not, reach out to Danielle. Um, you guys got her contact information. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, you know, I know she does a great job and you can trust her for, uh, you know, your your family needs there. So uh, in the meantime, guys, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Drop me a review. It means a lot. It actually helps out. Uh, leave that five-star review. No less. If you're not leaving five stars, don't even touch it. Just kidding. Leave whatever you want. But anyhow, guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Look forward to future episodes. And this is Tim Hart from Van Dyke Mortgage right here in Fort Myers saying keep on living the dream, Southwest Florida. Uh-huh.